If chocolate is your weakness, the real chocolate decadence of Flava Naturals Performance Dark Chocolate can be your strength. Extensive research demonstrates the remarkable benefits of daily cocoa flavanols on brain and heart function, including a recent Harvard study showing a 27% reduction in cardiovascular death. It may even be a helpful tool in managing cognitive decline. Flava Naturals Dark Chocolate Bars and Cocoa Powder deliver five to nine times the flavanols of typical dark chocolate with great flavor and minimal sugar. Their secret is sourcing premium, high flavanol cocoa beans and processing them naturally. The result is decadent dark chocolate with the flavanol levels needed to fuel brain and cardio performance. I use it every day. For more information and to order, just go to flavanaturals.com. That's flavanaturals.com. There you'll find the extensive research behind cocoa flavanols benefits and great recipes too. That's flavanaturals.com. flavanaturals.com. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today, we're going to do another deep dive on a subject that just continues to deliver. It's the microbiome and the microbiome's relationship to health. But uh, with a new twist, the microbiome's relationship to aging. We're going to talk to an expert on the subject. He's our go-to guy on the microbiome. Frequent contributor here to Intelligent Medicine, Dr. Ross Pelton. Dr. Pelton is the Director of Science and Education for Essential Formulas Incorporated, which specializes in premium probiotic products. He's also a pharmacist, a clinical nutritionist, health, health educator, the author of 12 books, uh, including uh, most recently we interviewed him on this, uh, is a book uh, about uh, aging and uh, using anti-aging strategies and Ross, it's it's coming out in in a second edition, right? That's right. My book on rapamycin is coming out in a second edition within a couple of weeks. Okay, and and that's a hot topic uh, in the anti aging community. Uh, a lot of people are are taking rapamycin. Uh, it's it's quite popular, and uh, it it's a very interesting story. I think it's uh, an emerging story. Uh, not yet uh, with definitive proof that it's going to make a difference. But I think a lot of people are placing their bets on rapamycin as an anti-aging medication. It's actually a prescription drug. So uh, aside from that uh, digression, uh, Ross, of course, is an expert on the microbiome. And he goes hither and thither and yon, appears on podcasts, but also uh, goes uh, frequently to conferences to educate people about the microbiome. And we're going to do a little education for our intelligent medicine listeners today on the subject of the microbiome theory of aging. That's a published article by you, isn't it, Ross? That's right. Uh, this is my article uh, that was published in the peer-reviewed uh, uh, medical journal Integrative Medicine in January of this year, January 2023, The Microbiome Theory of Aging. Okay, so what's fascinating is that uh, I think not a week goes by that we don't see another ramification of this, that the microbiome has an impact on dementia, on Parkinson's disease, on uh, all on athletic performance, on you know skin health, you you name it, uh, eye health. I mean, it's just endless, <laughs> and uh, it's actually very opportune that we talk to you about this because uh, I shared with you an article just now 
uh, which is a real validation of the point that you make, the microbiome theory of aging. Uh, it's entitled Longevity of Centenarians is Reflected by the Gut Microbiome with Youth Associated Signatures. So they, they took a bunch of centenarians, people in their hundreds, and they said, let's look at their poop and let's compare their poop to people who were not, uh, you know, who have not made it <laughs> to uh, the three digit <laughs> threshold. And uh, is there is there something unique? And, and that's what they often that's what they're looking for, because. Centenarians are so diverse. You know, they, when you look at uh, anecdotal stories, sometimes you see in a newspaper somebody celebrating their 112th birthday. What's their secret? Well, uh, for women, it's often, uh, you know, I never married. Uh, but when it comes to diet, uh, some people say, you know, I have uh, a glass of beer and uh, a steak uh, every day. <laughs> you know, other people say, well, I've been a <laughs> vegan for my entire lifespan. Uh, and on and on it goes. Uh, it. There is some secret sauce to being a centenarian. Some of it's genetic, but some of it's lifestyle. And I think the microbiome is, is a really interesting place to start. So uh, what do you think is going on with a study like this? Well, um, it, it's, I think it's obvious that uh, people that have a healthier lifestyle and love longer have a healthier microbiome. Um, the, the gut microbiome and the human gastrointestinal tract is a, a critical regulator of health throughout the whole body. And uh, so people that have a, a healthy natural vaginal birth and are fed properly during their infancy and then do not go down the path of processed foods and junk foods. And so if they maintain a healthy diet throughout their life, they're much more likely to create and maintain a healthy microbiome. And what I'm talking about in the microbiome theory of aging is how a healthy microbiome promotes health and longevity. And on the other side of the coin, I talk about the bad things, an explanation of how microbial imbalance and intestinal inflammation lead to health problems that uh, eventually cause tissue damage and organ damage and accelerate biological aging. So the question arises, is there something intrinsic, some secret sauce that gets manufactured in a healthy microbiome, or is it simply uh, an accompaniment of a healthy lifestyle? As you say, you know, people who have healthy microbiomes, they generally lead healthy lives. They are physically active because that actually aids the microbiome composition. They may have had good birth circumstances. They may have good genetics, and they may have been on good diets and avoided some of the things that damage the microbiome. So in other words, is this causation or correlation or a little, little bit of both perhaps? Yes, I agree. Um, and one thing I like to help people understand is that when we're talking about the microbiome, it's an entire ecosystem. Many people are kind of habituated to just thinking about probiotic bacteria and taking commercial probiotics. But really, there's probiotics and prebiotics and postbiotic metabolites. And the entire ecosystem, especially the uh, enteric cells that line the intestinal tract, this is all part of that ecosystem. And they all have to be functioning correctly in order to maintain health. And, and it's a, a good diet that really if you want to call it the secret sauce. And one step farther, I talk a lot about postbiotic metabolites. And these are the compounds that bacteria create when they digest and ferment compounds in your food. You know, Dr. Hoffman, for a long time, people have intuitively understood that probiotic bacteria provide health benefits, but nobody really understood the mechanism of action. And now we're starting to understand 
how this whole system functions. And the real primary job of your probiotic bacteria is to break down and ferment compounds that you ingest in your food and make smaller compounds that we call postbiotic metabolites. And it's these postbiotic metabolites that turn out to be master health-regulating compounds that not only regulate the health of your intestinal system, but they get in, absorbed into your systemic circulation and influence and regulate every single organ system, especially your brain and your immune system. So this is kind of what I call the new frontier in microbiome science. And actually, um, back in June of 2019, I had an article published published in a medical journal titled Postbiotic Metabolites, the New Frontier in Microbiome Science. And I did a little literature search on this. And it turns out that I'm the first person to ever publish an article in the medical scientific literature using the term postbiotic metabolites. Wow, that's so a kind of a pioneer in, in yeah. trying to educate the world about this new understanding of how the microbiome really works. And I'm sure you won't be the last. And I think if you do a search in 2025, you know, there'll be hundreds, if not thousands of articles. Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. Right. <laughs> uh, so it sounds like what you're saying is that it it's not uh, real simple. It, it's actually a, a constellation of associations. In other words, that the microbiome reveal is a manifestation of a healthy lifestyle. But at the same time, there are some properties, but myriad properties of a healthy microbiome that may prevent disease and actually uh, sustain longevity that, you know, these. Exactly. Yeah. And it's these, these postbiotic metabolites that really regulate your health. And when people have gut problems, it's really a deficiency of these postbiotic metabolites. And, a healthy microbiome, people will have anywhere from 800 to 1,000 different species of bacteria. And a lot of these bacteria require different types of food. So if people don't learn how to feed their probiotic bacteria well, they won't thrive and survive. And it's really critically important that people understand the importance of diversity. You have to consume a little bit of a lot of different types of fiber-containing foods to feed different types of probiotic bacteria so they can proliferate and produce different types of postbiotic metabolites. And Emin Mayer, who's a world-renowned gastroenterologist and microbiome scientist, said that we will probably in the future find that your probiotic bacteria use the information that are millions of genes to produce hundreds of thousands of metabolites. So we're just on the cusp of, uh, cusp of a whole new frontier learning about all of these metabolites that bacteria can produce if we give them the right types of food. It sounds like you're not a big fan of the pure carnivore diet, you know, the diet that's espoused by some because they think that, well, you know, if I avoid uh, fiber and vegetables, uh, you know, I'll just get all that protein and all that uh, healthy, so they say, saturated fat. Uh, and uh, then uh, they appear in uh, Twitter posts uh, with their shirts off looking, you know, super ripped. <laughs> Right. It, I think it's kind of crazy. Um, I, I am a big fan of people consuming healthy protein, uh, grass-fed cattle and free-range chicken and wild-caught fish and so forth. But this, what you're referring to, the, the protein-only diet, um, I think that causes terrible problems with the gut microbiome because the two primary food groups for your probiotic bacteria are dietary fibers and compounds called polyphenols, mm -hmm. which are the compounds that are 
providing color in a lot of different fruits and vegetables. And there's over 8,000 polyphenols that have been structurally identified. And turns out that humans don't have the enzymes to digest dietary fibers, and we're also very poor at digesting these polyphenols. So mm-hmm. most of them travel mm-hmm. straight through your digestive system. But when, when they reach the colon, they are the food for your probiotic bacteria. And that includes also uh, spices, of course, uh, sure. such as turmeric. Seeds and, and nuts and spices, you bet. And as as well as uh, certain beverages that we'd like to drink, uh, coffee, yeah. tea, and especially cocoa, which contains flavonoids. And wine a little bit. Yeah, yeah wine as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. there are certainly uh, a lot of ways to uh, uh, optimize your microbiome with these polyphenols. All right. So uh, let's uh, uh, take a look at the elephant in the room, uh, which is a recent article that was appeared in the Washington Post which I, I don't remember the headline, but basically it said that uh, probiotics uh, can sometimes be harmful. And yeah. okay. uh, and so a, a lot of you know my listeners uh, and readers uh, wrote to me and you know basically they said, well, tell me it ain't so. And you know ordinarily, I am uh, really angered and mobilized by what appear to be attacks on natural products. And often they're, Erroneous, you know, like micro, like uh, multivitamins do no good. Fish oil is worthless, you know. Think and these, you know, we spent a lot of time debunking that. But I actually did not mind that st- that uh, article when I read it. I mean, clearly there was there's the mainstream press has anti supplement bias, and they're sort of snarking about how people are wasting a lot of money on on probiotics. But uh, I understand you've done a, a sort of a detailed. A critique of that, and I wanted to get your take. You bet. Yeah, this, this is an article occurred in the March twenty eighth, twenty twenty three issue of the Washington Post, and the headline was: "Probiotic supplements may do the opposite of boosting your gut health." And a quote from this article says: "Taking gummies, powders, and capsules of live microorganisms." can disrupt the balance of bacteria in the intestinal tract of healthy people and lead to less microbial diversity. And I talk a lot about this. I talk about the case against high-dose commercial probiotics Mm -hmm. because when you're taking large doses of one or just several strains, and and Americans always think or frequently think more is better. So mine's got 50 billion, mine's got 100 billion, mine's got 200 billion. Those high doses of one or several strains are really working against balance and diversity. Mm-hmm. And I use the analogy of immigration. We let okay. a certain amount of immigrants into our country every year, and that's a good deal. Mm-hmm. But if we opened the borders and all of a sudden we had 100 or 150 million people flood into our country, everything would break down. The school systems and the hospital systems and the educational system, everything would be totally overloaded. And that's kind of the same thing with your gut microbiome. It's it, People take these high-dose probiotics, and it's not that they're, it's a bad strain of bacteria, but it throwing things totally mm-hmm. out of balance. Mm-hmm. And there's some studies I've got slides on that say actually that these high-dose probiotics can throw your immune system into an alarm reaction. So it's better to do smaller doses of multi-strains. But the thing people need to really understand, Dr. Hoffman, is that the only way you can create a diverse microbiome is by consuming a diverse 
diet, lots of different types of fruits and vegetables. So you get different types of fibers and different types of polyphenols to support the growth and proliferation of different types of bacteria. So they can produce different types of postbiotic metabolites that support your health. Well, then we're on the same page because I did get a, a, a caller calling about that. And my response to them was pretty much along your lines, which is, that's why I endorse uh, a very diverse probiotic, a probiotic that is not one of those high test one or two or three species, uh, but that represents a full spectrum of beneficial gut bacteria. And that's the, the doctor here of probiotic. And that was the initial appeal because, you know, in the early days of probiotic science, it was all about lactobacillus acidophilus. And right. based on the idea that if you eat yogurt, you know, there are health benefits. And if we cultivate the lactobacillus acidophilus, turn it into a pill or a powder, and we give it to people, we can confer a lot of the benefits of, of uh, whole fermented food. Uh, but I think that's where probiotic science, I think, went a little off the rails, uh, is when they right. tried to use uh, single species. Look, there, there's potential in the future for single species to be developed that may have targeted effects. You know, some may reduce the risk of uh, bladder infections, for example. Others may uh, have an anti-allergy effect. Others perhaps uh, can be targeted towards the brain, you know, because we know that in Parkinson's disease, there's a lot of dysbiosis. But, you know, that day has not yet arrived. And although it's kind of the holy grail of probiotic uh, scientists to develop specific strains that are, are functional probiotics, right? Right. And, but again, what I try to get people to realize that there are strains that are associated with these specific health benefits, but it's not the bacteria that are causing or responsible for the health benefits. It's the postbiotic metabolites that those particular strains of bacteria are capable of making. And so it's, again, these postbiotic metabolites that really regulate your health. And, and when we ingest food, it takes an average of 36 hours to travel through our digestive system, and anywhere from 24 to 72 hours. And when that food reaches your colon, these non-digestible substances, the dietary fibers and the polyphenols, start to get worked on by your probiotic bacteria that reside in your colon and convert them into postbiotic metabolites. And so in our digestive system, your bacteria have anywhere from 24 to 72 hours to create these postbiotic metabolites. Dr. O'Hara's fermentation system that he created, there's a three-year product and a five-year product. The three-year product, the bacteria have 26,280 hours to break down food components and produce the postbiotic metabolites. And then the five-year fermentation program for the professional formula, it's 43,800 hours. Mm -hmm. So these bacteria have an enormous amount of time mm -hmm. to break down the components and the food they're given and produce these postbiotic metabolites. And Dr. Rahira's final product has over 500 of these postbiotic metabolites. It's directly ingesting these postbiotic metabolites is the quickest way to improve gastrointestinal health. That, that's interesting because I always wondered why they went through the trouble. You know, I, I've not been to Japan. I'd love to uh, go and, and visit the Dr. Hira's facility over there, but I, I hear it's really uh, spick and span, you know, very, very high tech. And they have these vats 
And they'll, they'll proudly point to the bats and they'll go, well, this bat's been going for like, uh, you know, uh, 28 months. Well, this bat's been going for, you know, 42 months. But why in the world would they take the trouble to do that? It's almost like the way that, you know, if you go to uh, a whiskey distillery in Scotland, you can get the, you know, the 12-year, the, the, the 15-year, you know, malt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, and what it, it, but it actually, there's a reason for it. It actually imparts a higher uh, content of these uh, postbiotic uh, metabolites. And I, presumably there's some science behind it that they assay the material and see sure. what's in it. Every batch is assayed, you bet. And I'll send you a slide that shows this uh, visually, and I don't know if you're capable of posting that in the show notes or not, sure. but it gives people an idea of, of what this really means and how unique and how different Dr. Rajir's probiotics really are. It's interesting. Actually, that's not a point that, you know, we've talked a lot uh, about this, but that's a point we haven't really uh, covered very much. Okay, so, you know, let's let our listeners know uh, that Dr. Hira's probiotics are available at Sprouts, Vitamin Shop, Whole Foods, and other natural health retailers across the U.S. They're also available online. Uh, we have them on Fullscript. Uh, that's my online dispensary, uh, com. Uh, is the destination for full script. And you can also visit uh, essentialformulas.com uh, to find a retailer near you. Uh, our subject is the microbiome theory of aging, uh, which is the title of a published article by today's guest, Dr. Ross Pelton. And when we return, uh, we're going to focus more on uh, probiotics and uh, the gut and their relationship to the aging process. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. 